The reading of today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. Matthew, chapter 7, verse verse 26 and 27. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the, wind, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. That's the reading of the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now is our pleasure as a family to welcome um, Pastor Simon Kande. I have no, I've known him for, since I came to this church. I don't know if I've ever shook your hand personally. <laughs> In this COVID season, you can say hi. Allow us to pray for him as he ministers. And so, Lord, thank you for Pastor Simon, a very close friend of this church. And a dear friend again, we pray that, Lord, as he shares your word of truth to us, we pray that may you be with him and use him as a vessel to divide this word of truth correctly to us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray and believe. Amen. Karibu san. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Wow, these are different times. The, the last time I was here, I wasn't masked. All of you are seated near each other. But uh, we, we are grateful to God because through each season, he will make us victorious as we continue praying and becoming the salt and the light of this world. Um, Simon Minor Kande, that's my name, uh, pastor at Nairobi Baptist Church. Uh, most of the time, I'm at Gong Road, uh, where I help with operations, and uh, I'm not a visitor to Ongatarungai. I keep saying it's my home church, in a way, because uh, I got a wife from Rungai, uh, from Ongatarungai, so it's my home church. When you're going to Shags, <laughs> uh, we come to Ongatarungai, and we go to our home church, <laughs> and my wife is here. I'll invite her just to say hi because it's her home church. Uh, welcome, Rose. And just, I, in this, the protocols, do you allow is it wives to come? To, <laughs> to the, to the, it's a family month, so... Karibu. <laughs> we are married for 15 years. Uh, in the next, our anniversary is in next month. We met in campus. It's a family month, and the things I'll be talking about... My sermon has begun, okay? Because uh, sermons need to be practical. <laughs> I've been married for 15 years. We met in campus, started dating in second year, dated for six years, got married in 2005. We have three children, Sifa, Baraka, and Emma. Karibu. Praise God. Oh, feels like he's introduced me and said everything I needed to say. Say something else. I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to keep a social distance. So <laughs> the Lord is good. I think the greatest, the greatest thing that uh, I'm not sure I heard him say is that I do love the Lord. Jesus is a personal friend. And I say that because I've experienced him, I continue experiencing him, and I keep the more thirsting for him. Uh, glad to be here. And uh, yeah, nothing much to say. Thank you, thank you, Rose. 
I usually speak almost all her words, so that's our family. We complement each other. Uh, thank you, Reverend Kasimu. Good to see you. Uh, I think the last time I was here, we had Pastor Majid, who now we are working with at Gong Road. And uh, I'm so happy to be here with Reverend Kasimu. We met when he was in Athi River, even before he joined Nairobi Baptists. And uh, he passed by Gong Road to greet us <laughs> for like about a year or something, and then came over. And we are glad for you. Thanks for giving me a chance to, uh, to have a time to share the word of God. The, I've been asked to share about shaky ground. And sorry, I think I was meant to come uh, the program says next week, I've come earlier. The text we have picked is, is very straightforward. It's very clear. Uh, it's, it's one of the texts that actually you may not need so much hermeneutics, what you call hermeneutics, uh, to understand. You may not need to go even to Greek or the aspect of that to capture what it is saying. Because it simply says, Jesus speaks and gives the two types of people. From verse 24, he says, therefore, everyone, everyone, meaning anyone or everyone, whether in Rungai, Gong Road, uh, Mombasa, Kisumu, wherever they are, therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine, not any other words, these words of mine, please take note of that. Not just stories out there, not just patterns, not ideologies in the world, and I'll talk quite about, about that. But these words of mine, the word of God, and puts them into practice, puts them into practice. Now, please note, anyone who hears, not anyone who understands, there's a difference. You can hear and not understand. <laughs> but the point is, you have heard. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and understand last time we were helped by Pastor Irene to appreciate uh, the one who built on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall be, uh, because it had its foundation on the rock. Now today we focus on the other part of it, but everyone, to the contrary, everyone, anyone, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, a foolish man, and that man, word man is generic, includes women also. Lest they say, the Bible talks of only foolish men. It's like a foolish human being. Let me, let me put it well. A foolish human being who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. When I was slightly smaller in school, those years, there's something the teacher used to tell us to con compare and contrast. And I want us for a few seconds, because we don't have too much time, to compare these two builders. What happens? Compa not contrasting first. Com let's compare. Uh, and at times my sermons can be engaging, and uh, I may want to... Sorry, now you can't tell what people are saying. But you can hear what they're saying. Two comparisons or three. What do you see similar in that text between the two builders? Okay, because of my time, I'll help you. Because <laughs> I have, I know he's checking. Uh, there's a time somewhere. <laughs> in Gong Road, we have it at the front here. And it goes red. <laughs> time is up. They are both builders. Okay, that's comparative. 
They're both builders. What else? They both hear the word. They hear. It's not that one is out there not hearing. They hear the word. What else? They actually both build. You can be builders and one hasn't built. They built the house. What else? They both had foundations. What else? The rain came to both houses. He didn't choose. The rain, the storms, the same package, the perurious package came uh, at the same time. Let's contrast. What's the difference? The difference is foundation. One was on the rock, the other one was on sand. The difference is what happened after the rains came. One house was standing, the other one fell. I have a great friend, uh, friend because I look up to him, not necessarily that we are too close. He's now a, a bishop in New Zealand, an Anglican bishop. And in one of the conferences, some years back, he, he brought out an analysis of what is happening today that has stuck with me over those years. It's about almost eight years. And he says that we have a crisis today in the Christian faith. We have a crisis. And the crisis, he put it into three C's. And the first crisis we have is a crisis of character. We have a crisis of confidence. And we have a crisis of content. I hope you got it. A crisis of character. A crisis of confidence. And a crisis of content. And when I read about shaky foundations... Indeed, we are living in days when the foundations have been shaken or are shaking or will shake. And the character of many people, be that home, family, children and all that, is being shaken. The confidence to stand with the word of God, to hear the word and practice it, is being shaken. The content of the word of God itself, because you can hear and you don't get it. Or you get it wrongly. When you practice, you practice wrongly. The content is being shaken. And I want us to reflect the few minutes we have on these shaky foundations and ask ourselves, what does it mean for our marriages? What does it mean for our children? What does it mean for our parenting? What does it mean for our society in a whole? I want us first to see the unique characteristics of foundations the need for foundations, then I want us to focus on hearing and not doing, hearing and not doing. And the last thing I want us to see, uh, sorry, the second last is the warped concepts or ideologies that we have today. And finally, the eminent fall that is there as Jesus described that it fell with a great crash. A story is told of this huge, gigantic oak tree. This oak tree was in the middle of a town square somewhere, in that village somewhere. The oak tree was so huge, green and big, it was a symbol of that village. If you wanted to direct people to that village, you would talk about the oak tree. If men needed to sit under a tree and make decisions about the village, they were sheltered by the oak tree. The oak tree was a sign of pride to these villagers. It was so huge and nice. Until one season, there was so, a, a huge wind that came and beat against the, the oak tree. To the amazement of the villagers, the oak tree collapsed. And they were so shocked to see that it was sick 
inside, the trunk had a disease. The roots had, the disease had gotten to the roots and the trunk was sick. A symbol of strength on the outside, but inside it was sick and vulnerable. I know as I speak, I could be describing marriages that look so strong on the outside, but inside they are weak and vulnerable. And as I share with us this morning, I come to you and as I keep saying, like a beggar, who is showing other beggars to have to find bread? I'm not perfect. My marriage is at work, as yours. As I describe that oak tree, I could be describing a certain Christian who looks so strong and a symbol of strength, powerful, prayerful, but the inside is sick and weakly. The foundation is weak and shaky. Another story is told of a persona, sheep, in a sea town somewhere. There was this man who used to make sheep, chips, and he decided to create history. And he invested so much to create this big ship to acquire admiration from all the town squares and the sea, the sea line. And he worked on this ship that was so big. And of course, he had the day to inaugurate it. And in that, on that day, he called a huge party. Of course, there was no corona, so I guess uh, uh, he could afford to have all the masses come and see the great invention of this guy. And he called it Persona, the name Persona on the top. And after all the celebration, they got into the ships and they start sailing. The dignitaries got into the ship and they were all wowed by the creation and the invention of this man. And the ship started sailing off and went for some few meters, went for a kilometer. But as it went out, the, the, the sea became rough. And unfortunately, this man spent all his time thinking about the physical, what can be seen. He forgot about the weight below the waterline. Sheep are supported by the weight below the waterline. It's not just what you see on top. He concentrated on what creates admiration. He forgot about the depths. And unfortunately, the sheep could not contain the waves. And eventually, it started sinking. Sad enough, the man died. Today that man is remembered, he's remembered as a foolish man, a foolish inventor. And I know there are many people today remembered as foolish rich people or foolish, uh, I mean, uh, rich fools and learned fools and we keep hearing about that. What are the unique characteristics of foundations and what is Jesus telling us in this passage? Foundations are usually hidden and not visible. They don't call for attention. It is the inner world of your life, your inner world, what is hidden. Foundations determine the strength of a building. And foundations determine the longevity of the building, how far that building will go. So two, three years back, we heard of the story, we heard of what, uh, that uh, we are to host the tallest building in Africa. I don't know whether you heard about that. It was to be in Upper Hill. And uh, they started some excavations. It's actually, you, uh, you could see it as you're going down Haile Selassie uh, there. And I'm, I'm very, very perplexed, maybe because of my operations background, by structures and buildings. And I wanted to see, for you to do the tallest building in Africa, what, do you, what type of foundation do you need? <laughs> Those guys, I think for several months, started digging. 
Right now, it has stopped. I think there were court cases and they stopped, unfortunately. I hope they will revive so that we can uh, not boast, but feel good we have the tallest building in Africa. They started digging. Today, if you check, near, I think it should be the UK, as you get into the UK embassy or something, there is, they have left a huge hole there, which has water. And that simply tells you, if you came years after, you just see a tall building not knowing the depth of the foundation. Jesus equates this analogy of building to what will hold, will hold you in times of trouble. He equates this analogy of building to what will hold you when the storms come, when the foundations shake. And I can assure you, we just finished some series of the book of Daniel, that we are in a time, living in a time when the foundations are shaking. Whether you like it or not, ideologies have shifted. We are in a post-post-modern world. Some have even moved to post-post-modern. Us in Africa, we have a mix of pre-modern, modern, and post at the same time. That's even more confusing. And in this post-modern world, things have become relative. Of absolute truth is no longer holding. People are doing truth is according to me. It's according to me. We are in a pluralistic world, secularistic world, atheistic world, a world that is kicking God out, and a world that does not want to hear, understand, and practice the word of God. That is the world you are in in your career, in your job, workplace. That's the world you are in. The families around us, they have been affected. We are not immune as a body of Christ because we are still in this world. And Jesus uses that analogy to encourage us to do something that will make us hold even when the foundations are shaking. And he simply puts a very basic thing. And he says, he compares the foundations to hearing, understanding, and doing the word of God. Hearing and not doing, he says, is like that man who built his house without much thought. We are not given the reasons, by the way, why this guy didn't do, wanted to build on sand. Why, why do you think he wanted to build on sand? What do you think? Sorry? He could have been a Kenyan builder. <laughs> I hope you understand Kenyan builder shortcuts. Okay? He had seen, maybe he had several tenders eh, for construction, many buildings, and he didn't have time. So the best way is... <laughs> Because they want to see the physical, they won't see. <laughs> and by the time the, the rain, rains come, maybe he'll be the MP, so he'll defend it when it crashes. Eh? So he could have been a Kenyan builder. What else? Why do you think he... Why on earth did he... Yes, my brother. He got a bit? <laughs> maybe he had a big plot. <laughs> beach. Oh, beach. There was no rock. <laughs> That answers like a university student. They're the ones who always get an answer for anything. And they tell you it depends. Eh? Instead of answering what you're asking, it depends. <laughs> you had a beach, a beach plot. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> well, that's where the sand is. Yeah, even though sand is even around here. Before you go down, you still find sand. But even that beach, he could have thought what, about foundation. What does it need to do? If you have engineers in the house, they will tell you, I mean... You have to create your own rock, <laughs> even if there is sand. I mean, get concrete, cement, and all that. Could it be this guy first was careless? 
Could it be this guy actually didn't think about the future? Could it be this guy was not hardworking and diligent? And some of the disciplines I want to talk about in a few minutes require hard work and discipline, even in marriage or in our Christian walk. Could it be this guy was lazy? Could it be this guy was not of integrity? He wanted shortcuts, as my brother said. Or could it be this guy simply was foolish? His head was not working well. And Jesus says, the description we are making of that guy is the same description of any Christian who hears the word every Sunday and does not do it. You know those shortcuts? <laughs> those foolishness? <laughs> Jesus says, it is an analogy, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example. The same is of anyone who focused, maybe this guy was focusing on immediate gratification, immediate acclamation. He wanted to tick, I have built a house. As opposed to going deeper because there is more work to get to the rock on the foundation. There is, it is hard work. It is hard work. It's not easy. And I want to help us appreciate today being a Christian is not easy. Having a marriage that works is not easy. Parenting today is not easy. I think our days it was so easy. Because imagine a world where a child has no internet, has no phone, there's no telephone. There's no TV. What, what shape would Satan come in to influence that child? I think he's limited. Okay, he's still, he'll still come, but I think he's limited. Imagine a world where your child in his bedroom, he'll cheat you, he has gone to sleep. And he has a phone, and there's wireless 24-7. And the guy can chat in someone in Yugoslavia. <laughs> and they can make a deal. Against, your fa- against their father. <laughs> and you are thinking the child is asleep. I mean, demons from Yugoslavia can affect your child. <laughs> In Rungai. It is cause for more hard work. I actually think we are in a more sand. Our context has more sand. Our f- rock is more deeper. We need to do more work. It is hard work to go down there before the building. This kind of a person who hears the word and does not do, I'll compare them to many Christians today who are so saved. You know, Christians who are saved, Holy Ghost, the demon crash, you know, they, they, you know them, eh? They, they, they don't seem like they're here. <laughs> oh, they're here. <laughs> we are here. We are demo- we crush them. So, <laughs> But it is possible to ha- today to have Christians with unbiblical mindset. They are saved but their mindset is not delivered. The, that's where Romans chapter 12, verse 2 comes in. Allow me just to turn us there because I wanted us actually to focus more on Matthew, Romans, and Timothy, and then we'll be done. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the scriptures. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Patterns of the world have gotten to Christians and biblical mindsets, which has led to unbiblical convictions and values. Where you get a man who is born again, but as they get into marriage, they come in as a kikuyu man, or as a luo man, or as a karenjin man. Uh, and you keep hearing that, eh? In, or a meru man. What do meru men do? What don't meru men do? <laughs> what don't kikuyu men do? <laughs> okay, sorry, forgive me. Today I'll be personal and practical. <laughs> what don't karenjin men do in marriage? I know you have that. You are Africans. You, you are Kenyans. You, it may not be happening in your home, but you have heard about it. And biblical mindsets. Where we need to begin is where we develop a Christian mindset. I was, when I was growing up, I never saw my father cook at all, apart from Nyamachoma. I never saw him in the kitchen at all. And I get married in Nairobi, and uh, my wife bears me witness, where we stayed, I think for the first seven, eight years when we got married, I was staying near where we were working. Her, she was staying far. And there was traffic. Do I wait? I'm, in the home, I'm at home at 5 or 5 p.m. Do I wait and keep watching TV and put my legs on the sofa, waiting for her to cook, and she's coming at 8? Because I'm a kikui man. What do you do? Okay, sorry. I, Pastor Kasim, you, if there's any mess of our cultural orientations, you'll sort them out after I'm gone. But I'm simply asking, as a Christian, what does it mean, love your wife as Christ loves the church? What does that mean? That's what you, Jesus is talking about. Whoever hears my words are done then. What does it mean? What did Jesus do by loving the church? He died for the church. He sacrificed for the church. How many men are willing to sacrifice for their wives and their children without losing headship? <laughs> Could it be today we have a form of godliness and denying its power recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 3? 2 Timothy chapter 3 simply tells us that there will be perilous times in the last days, people will be lovers of them, themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, with lo without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. The list is long. But verse 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of godliness, being so godly. Haven't you seen today people loving God in worship, singing the song, I'm a friend of God until they sweat. But on Monday morning, they are cutting a deal that is ungodly. On Sunday, they were sweating, they are friends of God. On Monday morning, they are bribing. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Could it be that what, that's what Jesus is challenging us? Being hearers and not doers of the word. Are there warped concepts and ideologies that we find today that are affecting our marriages, are affecting our parenting, and are affecting our Christian lives? I think the first one is the concept of marriage. What does the Bible say? What is it that Jesus wants us to hear and do so that our foundation can be on the strong foundation? I mean, our foundation can be on the rock. I don't have much time, but I think we have warped concepts on love, submission, respect, and forgiveness. 
I know I talked about love as human, a man being told by the Bible to love our wives. What about submission? How many women are willing still to submit to their husbands? And yet they are earning more. They're the ones paying the bills. <laughs> okay, those things are not happening maybe this side of Nairobi. But where I come from, we have many ladies who actually are earning more than their husbands. Our husbands are not even working. <laughs> Will a woman still be submissive? What do you do with that text? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. That first, because most men know the one that says wives submit to your husbands. There's another verse up there. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's knowing the scriptures. It's first saying, submit one to another. Meaning, wife submitting does not mean they're a slave. Because that's also another warped concept of submission. Issues of forgiveness. If Christians were ready to forgive their wives, their husbands, their children, 77 times 7 times 7, just if, and I know that number was symbolic, meant endless, but even if you took it literally, 77 times 7, I think there'll be stability in marriages. <laughs> forgiveness is another area. I think another area we need to watch out is the concept of success. The concept of success. I'm trying to bring out some of warped ideologies and concepts today that for me are the chic, the sand that people are building their faith and marriages on and they are crumbling. Concept of success. Who is, who is a successful person? I wish I had time to ask this into detail. Who is a successful Kenyan? What do they have or what don't they have? Who is that person you say, hey, are you a mess-succeed? <laughs> Money. What else? Where do they stay? Rongai. <laughs> Political power. Concept of success. View about finances, about wealth and reputation. What does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about political power and leadership? What does the Bible say? John the Baptist. Do you think he was successful? Was John the Baptist successful? <laughs> you know he was beheaded, eh? He was killed on, on courtesy of a party <laughs> by King Herod and the daughter. They were just joking. It was a joke, a serious joke. And his head, he was cut. Yet John the Baptist, Jesus said, there is no other one greater than this, born of a woman. Yet he has been beheaded. If today a serious Christian, a pastor is beheaded, is he successful? Okay, I have many questions and answers today, and I will leave them as questions. Was Stephen successful? Stephen, <laughs> he, was, he, was a, he was a deacon, full of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy, that fullness enabled stones to work on him and accelerated his, his going to heaven. Was he successful? Now, I'm trying to compare today's concepts of success and what the Bible talks about. The beg, the, this beggar with Lazarus, whatever, was he successful? What is the view of money in 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, which says, command those who are rich not to be proud, not to put their hope in money. I'm saying this because these are the issues affecting our families today. These are the issues affecting marriages today. People want to pursue money at the expense of their marriages, at the expense of parenting. 
People want to pursue money at the expense of building their Christian values and convictions. People want success and promotions at the expense of Christ. That's where we are. We are on a shaky ground and we need to be careful because when the rains come, there will be great crash. What is the concept of friendship today? Another warped concept. By the way, who is a real friend today? <laughs> we have too much of what you call superficial contractual friendships. <laughs> On top, people meet to talk business. <laughs> no one is willing to ask my brother, how is your life? Gone are the days when you could meet, and the first thing I'll do is to share my testimony, how the Lord has been doing. Pastor Kasim knows that. I suspect his days, they must have been. When you meet with a brother or sister, you haven't met for three hours. <laughs> if you remember, in the village, it was even worse. Even two hours. If you go that way, then come back. You have to share your testimony, lest the devil affected you on the way. And you have to say which psalm you are reading. Now, I know we can laugh about that, but I still think that's better than what you're having today. I still think that's better. Today I meet somebody who in the CU together and there is nowhere the mention of Christ in our conversation of two hours. And we haven't seen each other for ten years. There is nowhere I will know whether he's still a believer or not because the salamus have changed. Before it was praise the Lord, now it's hi, hi. How are you doing? Fine. In Naishiapo. People will be crumbling and crashing and you, you are still buying coffee for them. And they are dying. Their marriages are dying. I'm shocked. I have two friends now I know who are so strong in faith. And as we speak, they have left their wives. One of them shocked us because we had so many meetings <laughs> and we didn't even tell there is a crack until the guy just disappeared. He had built a house, he left. And I'm wondering, you didn't tell us for seven years there were issues. When I sat him down, he said I had issues for seven years. And all the time we met him, he was smiling high, high. I think the other time it was better because he could have been shy to say, I'm, uh, my brother, I need to forgive. You know that you could tender as a type. Uh, type eh? Our con the concept of friendships have changed. It, they are on a shaky ground. They have become com commoditized and commercialized. It is more on what do I receive? And whenever we meet, we are massaging each other's egos. We, they are not accountability-based. You have no one who can ask you difficult questions about your life and about your marriage. Even for pastors, it's become difficult now because of, of relativism. What, what right do you have to ask me about my faith? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> Human rights. Eh? <laughs> Friends, let's be careful about the concept of marriage that is sound. And if you build our houses on that, they will fall. Let's be careful on the concept of success and the concept of friendships. Because they affect priorities, quality of time. If you value, if you value your marriage, if you value your purpose in life, then you'll be able to do what the Bible says and refocus yourself. And even if everyone is swimming this way, you swim against the grain so that you can stand when the weeds come. And Jesus finally says, whoever does not take heed... And does not know that you can't build your foundation on sand, there will be eminent for the rains, the raising of the streams and the blowing of weeds. Remember, they happen to both houses, not just on one. Both houses, they happen to them. And that's why today we have so many people we are calling successive bums. 
or rich fools. They have succeeded. They are CEOs up there, but they can't hold a basic thing, marriage. They can't hold a basic thing, faith. <laughs> and there are so many who are getting what we call sinkhole syndromes. I mean, they're doing so well cruising at 150 kilometers per hour, but one day you just hear they are in a sinkhole syndrome. They are just, something has happened, they can't control themselves, depression has come, they have killed themselves. And you're wondering, that guy who was smiling and so happy, what happened? <laughs> Let's get back the scriptures to be the center of our lives. Let's hear this word, understand it, and do it regardless of whatever people are saying. Because if you do that, then we'll have divine protection. Jesus says, I'll be with you. There will be divine enablements. Even when things are becoming difficult, when ideologies are changing, we shall stand firm and hold on. I know I've said many things and we need to stop at that because of time. But I try to cut on the marriage. I try to cut on parenting and our human, I mean our, our faith as Christians. Get set your priorities right. Don't be cheated by the fleeting things of this world like the foolish man was cheated. They will require time. They will require discipline and hard work. Being born again today requires more work. <laughs> Being a serious, serious Christian, you know, requires more energy in your workplace because you could be the only one who is not uh, dubbing uh, uh, tickets <laughs> uh, when you go out and they are not uh, whatever. And they will isolate you because you're not, you don't cooperate. <laughs> they will isolate you. You'll be isolated. You may not even get a promotion. You might even be sacked because you're a stumbling block. Will you stand for Jesus? Will you stand for Jesus? I think you'll not be worried if you know your concept of success does not necessarily mean much money or much fame. Even if you just say, whatever the Lord you give me, I'm better that way if I go to heaven than go to hell with a, a half of Nairobi. <laughs> having bought half of Nairobi. I want us to pray together. And if, if the praise and worship could come so that we, we wind up. And as we pray, if a proper analysis, honest and genuine, was to be done, would you be a wise builder or a foolish builder? Where do you spend most of your time? What is your concept of marriage? Is the Bible at the heart of it? Or is your culture at the heart of it? What is your concept of success? Is the Bible influencing it? Or is it what is happening around us? Is your mind renewed? Or are the patterns of the world still affecting you? Let's bow down as we pray together. And as we pray, we are in perilous times, as Second Timothy told us, it may not be any easy as we go along, but Jesus promises, if you build our house on the rock, it doesn't matter the rains and the storms that will come in life, your house shall stand. But if you build on sand, which is the wrong concepts and ideologies of today, for sure when the rains come, you will crash. May the Lord help you. May the Lord help me so that we can stand firm. Let's start speaking to the Lord and telling the Lord, help me. Help my life, Lord. Help my faith. Help me to prioritize and to give you priority. Help me, Father, to be the child you want me to be. 
Help me to have the marriage you want me to have. Help me to parent as you want me to parent, oh God. Let's speak to him. Let's speak to our father this morning. We know that our foundations have become shaky. The foundations of our marriages. You started wonderful marriages for us. You gave us wonderful spouses. You located us the right places for us to sit and rejoice. Lifestyle has come, has already defiled our foundations. We have looked elsewhere, and marriages have caused tears. They have even caused doubt to those who are not married. And now the rate of marriage and weddings has gone down. And people are taking even longer to get married because they are scared. Because of the message of the marriage. Yet, Lord, marriage is sweet, wonderful, and fruitful. And Lord, you understand us very well that we are here. And we are also watching. You are searching our hearts. And you know what is wrong in our marriages. You know the secret sadness and tears that we have caused to one another. That we have caused tears to one another and misunderstandings. Father, we pray that you accept us to come back. We pray the Lord the same way you have dissected our hearts through the sermon today. You cause us to come back to the river of God. That you take our marriages back to the blood of Jesus Christ where there is mercy and forgiveness. That our marriages shall stand on the forgiveness. Lord, take us back to the cross where we are delivered and set free. Free from all these other things that our marriages have been found on and our families. Look at our children, Lord. Look at the siblings. Look at the rivalry. Look at the blood dreams, Lord. And Father, we now bring back our marriages to you and our families. Back to the word of God. Back to the blood of Jesus Christ. Back to the cross. Back to the name of the Lord. That we shall make it not because of the amount of money in the bank account. But we shall make it because of the name of Jesus Christ. Father, cause us to depend only upon your word. Cause us to depend upon the name of the Lord. Give us back only that to the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord, we shall make headways. We shall advance. Cause of the name of Jesus Christ. Cause us to submit to one another and repair love that has gone sour. And our Lord, in Jesus' name, We speak repair to family brokenness. In the name of Jesus Christ, we speak repair. We speak repair to miscommunications. We speak repair. We speak repair to broken love. We speak repair in Jesus' name. We speak repair to bring joy again, to bring understanding again. Dear Lord, we speak repair to come back to you. May it be repaired. May joy come back to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.
Now, all of you, if you can, please lift up your hands uh, together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I do not know what comes your way when you're going to work, where you are, in your businesses, in your family life. But may the Lord just make his face to shine upon you, that you will not see those mountains, that you will see the Lord. May he shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you experience his grace when life becomes a little bit unbearable. May the grace of God be sufficient unto you. May he be gracious to you throughout. May the Lord bless you and keep you and protect you. We speak open doors for you in the name of Jesus Christ. May those blocked doors open in Jesus' name, except only for the timing of the Lord. May those unnecessary sufferings uh, and those unnecessary burdens that the devil places on you, may they offload from your back in the name of Jesus Christ, except only for those that come because of the timing of the Lord Jesus Christ, for which grace fall upon you. May the Lord give you grace the whole week. May you sing that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus as we come back on Sunday. In Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.